Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is a bit different today. We're doing dedicated podcast rather than recycling content from other platforms, as you guys know me for doing things like that, which is super cool anyway. But I wanted to do um, more episodes where I'm interviewing different people and um, I'm talking about their different kind of experiences and what they have to offer um, in the community, really. So today's episode, I am talking with Anna Wilson, I believe I'm saying this right, I'm pronouncing this right. Um, and uh, she has a book out, um, called a place for everything, and um, I, and I'm excited to talk about this because we we reached out via email. We've been talking, and um, yeah, it's super cool. So um, before we get started, if you guys are regular listeners to this podcast and you haven't already subscribed, you need to start right now because I'm watching you. <laughs> you got to do it. Um, so without further ado, this is Anna Wilson. Anna, say hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Oh, anytime it's it's absolute pleasure so Anna um, give us a background of you who you are like what 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 made you write this book and you know so people can get a context of who you are and what you are yeah sure so I'm a writer I've been writing books for children for the past sort of 20 years and about five years ago my dad died from cancer and my mum had been sectioned for mental health problems at the same time uh-huh. so it was quite a traumatic time for us and my mum then wasn't able to go back to live in our family home because my dad was no longer there, um, he was her primary carer. So um, we had to find somewhere for her to live. And during that time, she got a diagnosis of autism at the age of 72. And being wow. a writer, <laughs> I've always tried to make sense of the world through writing about things. So I started just writing a blog, really, just about what it was like to lose dad and have mum in this, this situation. And out of that blog came my book, which is coming out next month. Wow, that that is that's a, an incredible story. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm very sorry to hear about your father's passing, um, and and the the whole the seventy what seventy one you said your mother was it? Yeah, seventy two. Yeah, yeah. Seventy two. Yeah, she passed away two years ago. So sadly, the diagnosis didn't end up being much use for her. But it's been very good for us as a family to kind of recontextualize her, if that makes sense. Absolutely, and I think like you know, seventy-two is, is a grand age um, to, to live to live through, and and then to get that kind of diagnosis at that time is absolutely just incredible. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people that there's this huge epidemic of people who are getting diagnosed later on in life, and the the reason you know, and we, and people say to me like, oh, when were you diagnosed, Dan? And I said, well, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and, and ADHD and OCD when I was twenty-six years old. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I didn't have those problems for twenty-six years, but and then they say, well. How come it took that long? And I say, well, you know, when I was a kid in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and I live in rural Wales, like right up in Anglesey, there was no doctors here who could yeah. d- diagnose. You know what I mean? And so, and and I get your mum had the same issue, like, you know, so wherever she was, her age, she is, to, you know, when she was born, there was a period of time when there was not much research going on for autism. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. She was born in the 40s. And, um, I think I'm right in saying that autism didn't really come into any kind of public arena, as it were, until about the 70s. By then, I was was born then. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think she was very lucky that her mum lived down the road. So she was um, really supportive and just understood Mm -hmm. mum. And and in a way, if you like, didn't need a diagnosis to a certain degree. She just knew mum was different and she just knew she needed help. Um, and so she had her mum's support. My grandma lived till she was 92. So, um, my mum had her own mum until well into her sixties. 
And then it wow. was after that that things started to unravel, really, because losing her mum was really catastrophic for her. And then my dad was great as mm. well. He was a fantastic support to her as well. So she was very lucky yeah. in her family, yeah. But oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no medical support. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So, so autism for anybody who who doesn't know, and and this may be some info for you. So, so um, Hans Asperger and Leo Kanner, they were doing research in 1942 on on autism simultaneously, but in different locations, and that was the kind of birth of the um, uh, the, the kind of the studying of, of, of autism and and kind of like putting together this triad of impairment, which was put forward by a um, an Asian lady. Um, uh, Angela Wing, I think her, her name is. I can't remember her name now. Goodness me, look at that. Um, and she kind of put forward the the more like modern approach, and that was in like the the eighties that she kind of put forward this like, oh, okay, well, this is the standard of what it is. But of course, rolling it out to people to get diagnosis was like, I mean, the earliest is probably like nineteen ninety. You know, and, and that was on a mainstream scale, not like an individual scale, because they were diagnosing people obviously in the 40s, but it was with, you know, Hans Asperger and Leo Kanner doing that simultaneously in their own kind of areas. You know, Hans is all the way in, in, in Germany, and then you got Leo Kanner, I think he's American. So it, it's kind of like, it's a fascinating um, uh, to think about the amount of people your mum's age who just never got that diagnosis. Oh, absolutely. I, I read some figures recently that said something like, especially with women. Um, women seem to miss the diagnosis more than men and um, yeah. I think at the moment that the proportion of men's women who are getting diagnosed is 1 to 16 but they think in reality it's probably 1 to 3 so there are a load of women out there who are yeah. um, not accessing or being able to access diagnosis yeah and I think the older you're right the older the, the more likelihood is that they will have missed it Oh yeah, that is absolutely right. I mean, the women are, are the are, are the ones who are like the, the least diagnosed, and they're always misdiagnosed with things like uh, bipolar yeah. or like um, uh, some other kind of like I don't know some other you know comorbid condition that they'll, they'll get this diagnosis of, and um, they slipped through this net, and then you know they're kind of forgotten about. And it's it's down to the fact that um, Hans Asperger um, is when he first. Um, when he first made his, his kind of research thing, he basically said that only guys have autism or only only males, should I say, uh, could have autism. Mm. And so this kind of threw a huge spanner in the works, especially, I mean, you've got to think about that. I mean, going back to 1942, the first kind of papers published on this stuff, they were saying, oh, guys, you know, men and, and, and young boys don't have it. And so they're kind of like... Um, it kind of shows you this pattern of how on earth like that, it kind of sets the step for why women have always been put aside and it, and it really bothers me i've done a, a few videos on my youtube channel about women on the spectrum i've got a bunch more coming but it's so important and like i think that's fascinating yeah about your story and what's so empowering about it is because it's you know, a woman in her 70s you know yeah i think that's what i think um you know mum definitely did what i now know as masking you know this sort of social masking yes. where um women seem to be more able to or want to watch how other people behave and decide that they need to copy that in a in, in order to fit in better if you like mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i'm always rather worried about the language i use because i don't want to kind of make out that that people with autism were weird because i think that's one of the awful things that mum <laughs> actually is a lot of people found her quite brusque and and they would use words like she's a bit odd or something you know which is yeah, yeah, yeah. And i think back on that i think how, how terrible for her because she must have yeah. that's what people were saying about her 
And I think her way of dealing with that was to look at how everyone else is behaving is as she saw it and think, okay, all right, I've got to try not to be like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a certain degree, but, you know, it's quite exhausting to have to put on an act the whole mm. time every time you go out. So, yeah. It is. I think, like, you know, there was this, I read the story. Oh, and just to say about the language thing, don't worry about it. You know, we, <laughs> there, there are some people that's like, people say there's do's and don'ts within the autism community. Like, you can't say with autism, you have to say a, an autistic person. And, you know, and there's so many, there's so much red tape around stuff like that. I, look, I, I'm, I'm non judgmental. This this channel, my, my entire brand is completely open. And people are people. You express it how you want to express it and you say what you want because that's just people. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, you can, don't worry. There's no, there's no judgment here. Um, in terms of, um, uh, yeah, there was this interesting story about a kid, uh, a girl who was going to school and then coming home and having crazy meltdowns at home mm. and like just going absolutely ballistic. And the parents are like, oh my goodness, how, you know, she's fine in school and comes home. And they're like, they couldn't understand why this was happening every day. But on the weekends, she was fine. And then it was very simple. She was going to school, masking, yeah. completely exhausted, coming home and just freaking out because like she'd spent all this time she's just exhausted you know she has no, nothing left to do and so it's, it's so overwhelming and overloading and i think like that must have been you know what it was like every day for your mother oh definitely and, and it's so interesting because looking back that it all makes sense now you know she would she'd be really mm. calming out of the house she could be quite charismatic and sort of draw people to her and then all of a sudden it was like a switch was flicked and she just had, had had have excuse me have had enough <laughs> and mm. she would she'd have a meltdown sometimes in front of the people that she'd trying to be charming to and sometimes um mm. as soon as she got home she'd sort of shut the door and this other person would emerge and you'd think as a child i mean as a child most of the time you took it as normal because that was your mum yeah but, um, but sometimes i would think wait a minute you were really nice to mrs so-and-so why have you come home and <laughs> been like this <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes sense yeah she I, I mean i feel so sorry now that i didn't understand mm. that at the time you know which is partly why i wrote the book because i wanted to try and um you know understand it for myself and also hope yeah. to reach out to other people and say you know this is the way it is if you if you have autism this is this is what it's like yeah 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 and so we're going to get into the book in just a second and then so i just have one question before we talk about the book um so in terms of your family autism is something that's genetic so it's mm. passed down so this is a question do you know of anybody historically in your family who would have been on the spectrum and or is there anybody present day in your family lineage that does have an autism spectrum condition well, that is such an interesting question because I was literally talking to someone about this um, today. We, we're we pretty sure as a family now that my father's mother um, had autism because she uh -huh. had so many similar traits to mum. And I think possibly that's why my dad fell for my mum. It was he absolutely. Got it. it was like, you know, oh, yeah, I get this. It's all subliminal, isn't it? It's all subconscious. You don't know uh -huh. that that's what you're going for. But um, yeah, so many similarities. And and my my grandma and my mum really didn't like each other as well because they was <laughs> they would bash up against each other all the time so I think well, I mean you know she would never have got a diagnosis I mean she was born in the gosh the 20s maybe in 1910 something like that so she would not have got wow this um so there's that and then um yeah my, my sister's pretty sure that her son is on the spectrum but um hasn't got a formal diagnosis yet it's right, a bit tricky right. where they live um yeah. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I can definitely see that there there is um, the potential for a genetic link there. Yeah. Do you know it's really funny that you said uh, about the attraction because 
um, it, it's absolutely right because we, we go for like personality types and, and so people res resonate with personality types. And obviously if we're going through the Freudian theory that, um, you know, people look for people like their fathers or mothers basically, yeah. um, or their carers, because that they were the people that they were the heroes, right? They were the people they look up to. They know that they feel safe with those people. And that's yeah. why, you know, Freud kind of comes the theory. So it would make sense that that would happen. And it happens actually. Um, so, uh, there's a very famous, um, personality called Kim um, Kardashian and yeah. Kim Kardashian was married to a guy called Chris um, oh, something ha uh, I can't remember his last name anyway he was an American athlete um, and she was married to him first and he was he was on the spectrum he, he had Asperger's and uh, they broke up but then she then married uh, a very famous rapper called Kanye West now Kanye West has a current diagnosis of bipolar and synesthesia and synesthesia is where you see colors rather than um when when somebody says uh, uh, something or when you hear a noise you see color yeah so i have synesthesia with um when i see days of the week i see days of the week as as colors like I, when someone talks to me about days of the week i see them as colors the same as months i see them as colors mm -hmm. but so they're both spectrum conditions you know bipolar and and, and synesthesia a very much uh, spectrum so i believe that he is actually on the spectrum i did a video about this um but I, either he's not come out and told everyone about it or he just doesn't have the official diagnosis but again that shows like for like you know it's a very yeah. famous example but still an example yeah absolutely which is uh, yeah it's fascinating right okay so the book um it so let so tell us the title of the book tell us um you know why you wrote it and tell us what it's about so it's called A Place for Everything, and then there's a little subtitle, My Mother, Autism and Me, just because the publishers felt that they needed to get the word autism on the cover. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I called it A Place for Everything because my mum's mantra when we were growing up was a place for everything and everything in its place. Um, <laughs> she liked everything to be very neat and tidy, and um, she would have meltdowns if things got out of hand. Um and so, yeah, that's where the title comes from. Uh, and yeah, I wrote it. I mean, it came out of this blog that I was writing because I started writing the blog just for me, really, to try and make sense of everything that had happened to me and my parents and my sister in this particularly difficult time. Mum had what was diagnosed at the time as a psychotic episode in 2013. And um, over the next couple of years, she became progressively um, less well and my dad developed cancer. So it was a really hard mm. time. Um, so I started writing this blog and I really didn't expect anyone apart from close friends to read it. I didn't um, do it in a professional way. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just opened up WordPress sure. and started typing. And um, slowly but surely people got in contact and said, oh, I've just sent your post to this friend of mine because I think they're going through something similar. And oh, this is just so heartfelt and I really think this is important. And quite a few people, individuals, took me to one side and said, I hope you're going to write this into a book because they knew I'd written books before, but just, you know, for children, not for adults. And I just kept thinking, I can't do this. I can't write about my family. It, it kind of seemed it seemed wrong while mum was still alive to try and publish yeah. something about her. Anyway, sadly, she passed away two years ago and it was like a cork was sort of, you know, um, unleashed from a bottle and I just couldn't stop writing. And I was getting up at five in the morning and just writing more and more and more. And um, I realised that I had enough to try and sort of shape it into some kind of narrative. And so that's yeah. what I did. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so, so it's you. You said the book's published, right? Who's the what's the publisher? So HarperCollins are publishing it on the 9th of July. So it's not quite out yet, but um, yeah, all right, a week's time. Okay, 
Because I was just going to say, where do we get it? Do we get it from the publisher's website? Do we get it from Amazon? Or uh, Yeah, you can pre-order it from Waterstones, Amazon. I think the publisher's page as well, actually, HarperCollins. If you look up HarperCollins, Anna Wilson, you'll get that uh, link. Um, and any local independents, if they're opening again, I know my local one is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, are you, so are you a writer anyway? Like, are you, yes. do you, is this what you do? Yes. So I've been writing books for children for 20 years. I've had about 50 books published um, over the years for all ages from sort of naught to teen. Um, mm. So this is a different a step in a different direction now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I've always sort, sort of seen myself as a writer first rather than an author for children, if you see what I mean. So I write yeah, yeah, yeah. as I want to write and then, you know, it finds its audience. So Sometimes I write something and my agent goes, oh, I think that'd be really good for 12-year-olds. Another time she goes, oh, I think this would be a picture book. And this time I wrote this and sent it to my agent. She said, oh, wow. She said, this is really different. I don't think I can represent you. I think you're going to have to get a new agent. Yeah. <laughs> so I've now got two books, one for adult, one for children. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And it's it's funny. like, And, and I, love, I love that you've kind of like put all of the it's nice to put all those memories down because it's almost like a reconciliation a personal reconcile uh of of the of the like you know you said oh you know i felt kind of a bit sorry that i didn't kind of know at the time and and by putting those down into a written format and putting it into like a you know a poetic book if you like i i feel like it kind of gives you some kind of i don't know some peace with it so you know that you know you did everything you could and everything is there in english so people can read about it you know it's there's no blame on anyone's behalf basically yeah, that's quite what I'm hoping. I mean, um, obviously, I had an editor who worked with me on the book, and I kept saying to her, "I don't want this to be a misery memoir because I loved my mum." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't want this to be. Oh, poor me! I had a mum who was, a... <laughs> you know, and that's not what it is at all. And she's really helped me with that. She's helped me bring out the the reconciliation and the forgiveness, if you like, and the love and all of that as well. So I really hope that comes across. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm also a best-selling published author too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. No, I've got a Yeah, I only have one book out. Look at you with your loads of books. But I've got one book out in three languages, though. That's kind of cool. Oh, very good. Um, but but yeah, I um, I was actually approached by HarperCollins initially, but I didn't go with them. Um, I went with a small uh, publisher from London called. Um, uh, Watkins Media. Actually. Oh yeah! Oh, a friend of mine's published by them. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, who? who? Uh, Isabel Lasada. She's got a book coming out called The Joyful Environmentalist, and they publish her. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really good friends with um, Teresa Chung. She's an author. Do you, are you, do you know Teresa? No, I don't. Teresa. She's um, she's oh, she got hundreds of books out. Um, she did the Dream Dictionary. I don't know if you've ever seen that book. It's amazing. Oh, okay. oh Dream Encyclopedia. Actually, not a Dream Dictionary. It's an encyclopedia. The thing's massive. It's like a telephone book. It's incredible. Mm. Um, but but yeah, and, and I know the whole process of working with publishers and stuff. It's really it's it's fun. But I, I kind of like in my book, I talk about it's half half of it is kind of like this theoretical thing that I, I write about theology and kind of like philosophy, and then the other half is growing up with autism and, and explaining how i used star wars to kind of compensate for, yeah. for ways where i couldn't understand the world and so that was really really fun and and but, but working with an editor they it was it was really interesting because I, I wanted to keep it as genuine as possible but then they also had to make it flow well and i found that quite difficult especially with autism because it never flows well because it's, it's <laughs> autism you know what i mean if that makes sense yeah yeah oh well i can tell you i i mean i don't have autism and i still found it hard to make things flow well um <laughs> especially having started it as a blog because obviously a blog is very episodic because you write a post yeah and move on and it doesn't really matter if one post doesn't follow 
one from the other as long as the themes are kind of vaguely there. But um, yeah, so the editor was so helpful in that respect because she could stand back from it and say, oh, I think you need to go back into the past a bit here and then bring the narrative back to the present. And yeah, it was really helpful. That is, uh, that is really interesting and super, super awesome. So we're going to bring the uh, episode to a close. And um, I just want to say, like, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I just want you to remind everybody where they can get the book from and the title of the book, just so they can remember. Yeah, so it's A Place for Everything, My Mother, Autism and Me by Anna Wilson. It's published by HarperCollins. And you can get the book from their website or from Waterstones, Amazon or any good independent bookshelf, bookshelf, book, bookstore. <laughs> good good awesome well i'll definitely be getting this on um uh the uh, digital version or maybe an audiobook if you yeah. bring an audiobook yeah. up that'd be super dope or ebook yeah yeah the ebook yeah because i i because of a good dyslexia i find it quite difficult um to to read books like the old analog way mm. um and i do have a bunch of analog books but, but it just takes a lot more time so um anybody who wants to get this book i'd highly recommend checking it out i mean fascinating you know 72 years old goodness me and um i just yeah thank you so much anna for coming on to the uh, the podcast today and um yeah i might reach out to you again in the future if we're doing another episode on uh, females on the spectrum i think you'll have a brilliant insight i think i actually will do that at some point so um yeah that'll be awesome that's if you want to come back obviously. yeah definitely that'd be great thank you very much thanks for having me excellent all right thank you so much okay um okay i'm just gonna stop the recording for a second hey guys thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you haven't already please share this with anybody and everyone who you think can get some benefit from it and also i know a bunch of you guys who haven't already subscribed to this podcast but listen so please go over and subscribe to it now so you don't miss an episode also if you want to hit me up on twitter it's at the aspie world the t-h-e Aspie, A-S-P-I-E, and then world, W-O-R-L-D. So the Aspie world. All right, guys. Thanks.